It's time for Golf DMV. Highlighting golf in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. And now, here is Claude Jennings. Welcome back to another edition of Golf DMV, a very special edition of Golf DMV, brought to you in part, by the way, by Cache Spine Sports. You can go to the website, golfdmvpodcast.com. You can scroll down to friends and sponsors of the show, and you'll get information on Dr. Smith right there. You got to get your back right, got to get your neck right. And what two episodes ago, we had her on the show. You know, the back is very important, man, and the work that she does, she can get you right and, and heal all kinds of things. Check out that episode of the podcast, but also check out Cache Spine Sports. Dr. Smith will get you right. Special feature today, we've got Maurice Allen joining the show. The brother is the 2018 Volvic World Long Drive Champion. Uh, listen, his drive to win that championship, 393 yards. That was the winning distance. We're going to talk about how he got into the game, uh, how he got into long drive, his journey all the way through that. But most importantly, we're going to talk about his Grow the Game initiative and what he's doing to help black golfers. Maurice, thank you so much for your time and for joining the show, my man. But first, 2020, crazy year, COVID-19, all kinds of stuff going on. How are you doing? How's your family doing? Uh, How's everything going? Man, you know, my immediate family, everybody's good. Uh, No, no questions, no questions concerns no nothing my extended family you know i've had a lot of people who have lost their uh close family members due to covid so you know it's it's one of those things like when you um you know i don't believe in having friends i know a lot of people say they got friends i don't have friends man i have extensions of my family you know people become my brothers people become my sisters they become my cousins so when those people hurt i hurt so from that part it's been it's been a been a tough one because i don't like to see see my people hurting um but outside of that you know my immediate family man we're my my parents and so they're good you know i get to see them every day uh that's what was i was late to this interview everybody i keep it here 100 percent um now i was playing i was out on the golf course with my dad and i was gonna cut it short he was like man you know i just want to play another nine and i was like man that's why i moved back to the crib because i don't want to be in this i I never want to be in a situation where he's gone and i'd be like man i wish i had played another nine or i wish i had played so you know he trumps he trumps anything else i have going on if the man's like he want to go sit down Mm -hmm. and eat and have lunch or my mom want to do this do that everybody sits on the back burner when it comes to that man so those are that's that's my thing right there those are my people Big respect. Do you make your dad play from the back tees or do you play out? <laughs> <laughs> and my dad gets out there, man. He wants he wants 18 shots. He wants to play from the tips. He wants to play three tees up. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? and, and his number one excuse is, well, you got a corn fairy start next year, so you need to start making birdies anyway. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, I didn't that's know news. this. You, you got, yeah, a, you got a corn fairy start next next uh, a corn, corn fairy tour start next year? Yeah, I got a lot of stuff, man. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> that's up, awesome, bro. man. Nice. Yeah, Congratulations so, on yeah, that, man. That's good. a big deal, yeah. man. Well, I'm still, it's mm-hmm. an option. I still gotta okay. earn it. If I'm not if I'm not playing to the level that I, I feel is necessary to play, mm-hmm. um, I can't take that exemption. I can't. Okay. Um, I mean, if I'm not shooting sixty and change, then there's no point. Like right now I'm low seventies, mid seventies consistently. I'll shoot a mm-hmm. sixty eight here and there, but I can't go and look at guys like Tim O'Neill, Willie yeah. Mack, Joe Hooks, um, you know, Will Lowry guys like that in the face and be like, Hey, you know, I'm in the corn fair. And I know that this is, you know, these guys have legit, legit mm-hmm. games and I can't be an advocate for black golf and then be the same person who tears down black golf at the same time. Right. Dang, man, that's deep. That's deep. So what part of your game right now are you working on the most that, that you feel can, that you need to get over the hump in order to make sure you get in there? Honestly, execution. Um, you know, I met with a guy, uh, I've seen a few guys and it was funny, man. One of the guys who I saw, he's like, man, I can't coach you. He's like, you know, everything. And he wasn't being sarcastic. He was like, legitimately, you know, everything. He said stuff that you do, tour players don't even do, you know, Mm -hmm. walking off your numbers, um, walking off your putts, walking off all your chips, walking off all your pitches, understanding the different shots. He was like, you just need to learn to execute. You need to trust yourself and execute. So I think the biggest issue is because I didn't grow up playing golf. You know, you always have that self-doubt. Everyone has it. Uh, oh, I don't even want to talk about the I mean, self-doubt it's, it's with this those, game. <laughs> well, but no, it, it goes so much deeper than that, man. This game brings out every insecurity that you'll ever have. And, Dang. you know, people always ask about black people or black, well, black people being on this 
on the tours and, and playing this game at the highest level. The problem is if you brainwash them from the time that they're little kids, mm-hmm. then and you give them these complexes early. Right. How can you ever expect a person to be able to fight the biggest fight in the world, which is man versus self? And when you're on the golf course and when everything else is quiet, you get to hear these demons. Mm-hmm. And those demons will find a way to creep in at the time when you need them the least. They will find <laughs> their way out. So, you know, you're always in, and I've talked to a lot of my friends, you know, they always ask, you know, do I deserve to be here? We always feel like we have something to prove and we really don't. If we're there, then we're good enough. You know, it's always every time we do something, it's always, well, there's always an asterisk by it. Oh, well, maybe this or maybe that or there's some circumstance or the key key phrase is happenstance when we mm-hmm. do something positive rather than understanding and just giving people their respect. So learning to overcome that, learning to not to second guess myself. Uh, my coach and I talk about this thing called flow. Uh, flow is everything you know it's it's literally you being connected um, to yourself everybody has the power of God within them everybody has the um, essence of God within them so you know we are we're taught from the time we're at the early age that perfection is impossible but you can have perfect moments if you actually allow yourself to flow properly mm-hmm. you won't be a perfect individual but perfect moments so, you know and that's that's really what you're looking for in golf or is to capitalize on those perfect moments or find something that you're doing correct for that particular point in time in your life so it's just it's 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 so deep man it, it's crazy yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's not fair. No, you're right. It is deep. So you say you didn't grow up playing golf. What did you grow up doing? Where are you from? And, and, and we, I mean, obviously you were an athlete when you were younger. I mean, obviously. Uh, uh, what what you do when you were younger growing up? Oh man, you know, my dad tried to get me to play the game of golf. Um, I'll be 100% honest with you. I don't know if my dad's athletic enough to do anything. Um, <laughs> that's, that's real talk. I know that sounds, I know that sounds funny, but I have, you know, outside of doing the father son stuff, you know, mm-hmm. you know, your right. dad throws a ball with you and all sort of stuff. Right, right, right. I never saw him play like pickup basketball. Never saw him play like flag football. Well, I don't think flag football was big in the eighties anyway. Them mm-hmm. dudes was they was a professionals. Right, you know, they were trying to get hurt so they can get out there to the job. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, he never did. I never saw him do any of those things. So the only thing I can ever remember is my man would put a coffee cup down in the living room and put to a coffee cup mm-hmm. over and over again. And he'd sit there and watch, you know, the news and do it, watch right. the games and do it. A man just be sitting there constantly working on the putting, man. So uh, when I grew up, when I was growing up, man, I did everything except play basketball. I played volleyball, ran track, played um, baseball. I mean, you name it, I did it. Mm-hmm. Football, the whole list. Um, and it just was – it was, I think, me not playing golf at an early age is what got me to the point where I am now because, you know, as a track and field athlete and as a football athlete, I think those are what, any any athletes at the highest level um, are some of the most demanding things uh, when you really look at it and what it takes to put your mindset in that place of I have to train hard right. um, and overcome all these barriers or, you know, I'm the – the low man on the totem pole or whatever it is that you want to look at it, low man on the depth chart. And, you know, how do you get there? And for me, it was always constantly having to overcome, you know, my road in this game of golf was not an easy one. Um, I had the enemies that I knew and then the enemies that I thought were friends. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I still had to overcome all of that. And, you know, as a track and field athlete, anybody who's ever run track, especially at a high level, you have to be psychotic because, it's the only sport where you go to practice every day and you know you're going to die. I mean, there's no way fans are bust about it. I've never seen nobody walk out of trap and say, man, that was easy. Oh, you <laughs> <laughs> out there looking for some oxygen. Yeah. You're trying to find Jesus. You know, <laughs> anything that'll get you through the next moment. So, I mean, but it, it, it changes your mindset. And I think because of that, it, those other sports prepared me for the amount of work that I have to put in now and the many things that I'm, I guess, destined to accomplish or be a, at least a catalyst for other people to move forward in life. Golf isn't where you started. How did you get into it? And was it, you know, long drive first and then and then playing and trying to, and, and trying to get on tour? Or was it on tour and then long drive? Like, how, what was that path? No, man. Uh, one of my cousins was the um, athletic trainer for FAMU. When I was at FAMU, I used to just hang out with him. You know, I had to set the golf clubs because my dad gave them to me, but I never played. I'd go in there and ride in the cart with him, hit the ball here and there. And one of my clubs broke, and 
the guys who own Sick Putters, the ones that Bryson DeChambeau uses, a guy named uh, Greg and Steve Harrison, they were also in Tallahassee at the time, and they had this golf store called Golf Etc., which is similar to Edwin Watts, mm-hmm. uh, much smaller. And I went in there, I was like, hey, man, my club broke. You know, I don't know what y'all do, man. Can y'all fix this or do I have to buy a new one? I don't know nothing about it. And they were like, yeah, well, you know, this club's kind of old. You know, you need a new set. I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I'm in college. I'm broke. Can you uh-huh. fix this one? Uh-huh. Well, you know, we can. And I didn't know anything about shafts. So I just thought, you know, you just grab something and throw it in there and whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, we need to know, you know, what kind of shaft to put in here? What do you hit? And I was like, I don't know, man. I just hit the ball, man. I don't care. <laughs> so I, went, I, hit it. I was on the simulator, hit the seven iron. I think it went like 230. Two thirty-five or something like that. And they were like, uh, "Can you do that again?" <laughs> yeah, see, hit the ball again, and they were like, "Man, you know, I don't know if y'all know much about Florida, but it was funny. We're in Tallahassee, and they were like, man, you know, if you go down to Wildwood, man, they got this long drive competition, and mm. man, we'll give you some money to we'll pay your entry and stuff in there, and wow. you know, we're looking it up online." And they showing these guys hitting the ball 400 yards and something. Like that. I said, man, these dudes are steroids, bro. I said, you know <laughs> I was like, nah, man, you know, that's a long drive. I don't feel like it. I'm good, man. Just give me my club. I'm going to go hang out with my cousin and, you know, I'll come back and pick up another club tomorrow or whenever y'all got ready and I'm out. And I walked out the door, went to the golf course where my cousin and my friend Sash was playing. And we're sitting there. And we're actually on a rain delay because it's lightning. And I'm telling them the story. My cousin said, Wildwood, man, you dummy. That's a golf course 15 minutes down the road. I'm thinking Wildwood, Florida, which is down by Ocala. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Exactly. I'm like, why would I drive three hours to go Mm -hmm. to something I've never heard of? So they all (laughs) pack me in the car. We go back to the golf, et cetera. They give me like 160 bucks. And, um, this guy named Kenny Knox, who used to be on the PGA Tour, they gave me one of his drivers because I didn't have a driver. Mm-hmm. So I had a seven-and-a-half-degree tailor-made tour burner driver. Wow. Um, and I go to Wildwood, and here we go. It's down in Wakulla County, for y'all who are in the panhandle. It's also known as Will Kill You County. Yeah. Oh, okay. You okay. Got, I got a picture. I got a picture. I'm tracking. Yeah. 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 yeah, there's there's three Ks involved in Will Kill You County. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we get there, and obviously we get out the car. I'm the only – we the only ones that look like us there. Mm-hmm. Everybody start turning around and looking, and then this guy with this huge southern draw, well, yeah, you can fill out the paperwork, fella. Hit the ball. <laughs> so I went to hit the ball. Hit it my first time. You know, hit my six balls. They were all out of bounds. Hit it my second time. They were all out of bounds. Third time, all out of bounds. Fourth time, they were all out of bounds. And the guy was like, man, what, none of them close? And they're on the radio. And the guy was like, no, nah, ain't nothing there. He said, well, do you think that they're further back? He said, no, nah, I'm back here at 350. I can assure you ain't nobody hit past me all day. Mm-hmm. And this one little, and I'll never forget, I can't remember her name, sweet little old white lady. They probably call her Karen now, I guess. <laughs> she, came, she came up to me and she was like, baby, I would just pay to watch you hit the ball again. So she Uh-oh. paid my entry fee for the fifth one. And the guy sitting at the back of the range, I think he's at like 370, and I'm hitting the ball, and we had one close, and you could hear him come back on the rail. He said, well, wait a minute, fellas. I hear some rustling in the bushes, but I can guarantee you ain't no way in hell that's a golf ball back there. (laughs) He takes the cart, turns it around, and I've got a ball sitting out of bounds by four inches at 398. Good night. And the longest ball of the day, I'm sorry, 389. And the longest ball of the day was like 345. Mm. And the guy, and all you hear him come back on the race, he said, well, good gracious, who in cool Brian you got up there hitting the ball? <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there, me and my cousin laughing. We said, Cooter Brown, who is Cooter Brown? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> so, but, and, and that's how I got into it, man. I didn't, wow. I think for the first two or three years, man, I didn't carry I didn't carry an iron at all. Um, I carried nothing but drivers. Man. My guy. That was, that was what I did. People used to ask me, like, you don't carry an iron? You don't warm up? I said, man, it's long drive. It ain't long chip. What I need to warm up with an iron for? I don't want a driver, man. Don't, you know? And that's, that's honestly how, how I got into the sport, man. 
Right. Real talk. Wow. Yeah, man. Shout out to the Fabio Rattlers. Uh, Bowie State University. We used to emanate y'all band a lot. Y'all band Morgan is State. Tough. Morgan band State band. Eh, I mean, uh, okay. <laughs> but they band is tough, bro. You can't, you can't rock a fan. You. Um, yeah, doing some research last night, going over your story, right? You hit a low point there in 2012. Uh, so I, it's a two-part question, basically. For the for the audience who doesn't know, like like he was, Maurice was explaining how he got into it, um, on your march to the championship in 2018, the Volvic Long Drive Championship, right? You hit a low point in 2012. What kept you moving there? Because I, I read it, and I mean, if you correct me if I'm wrong, it was like some homelessness, couch to couch, yeah. stuff like that. Right, so I'm gonna, I want to know what kept you motivated during that point. And then when you reach the mountaintop, uh, uh, what is it that drives you to still help people? Because the, the typical thing is somebody who overcomes something like what you did and gets to the, you know, the championship and becomes you know, uh, well-renowned and everything, it's easy to get up there and say, well, you know what, guys, I overcame this. You can overcome it too. Mm-hmm. You know, here's a little $500 scholarship. I'm out, boom. But you, you're like a, like a very busy advocate for other golfers, for black golfers, for youth and everything else when you really don't have to do that. You could just say, oh, look at me. I did it. You can do it. Um, hmm. The thing that kept me going Mm-hmm. So in 2007, I remember watching my grandmother pretty much deteriorate deteriorate from cancer. Um, mm-hmm. And I never forget, you know, understanding if she could still smile on the worst days, no matter how bad life got, no matter how depressing things got, right. um, you know, it ain't that bad. Um, and everybody goes through depressions, you know, you think about killing yourself and driving off the road and all this, and you know, but until you really understand that you're here for a purpose and there were too many things that happened in my life with golf, you know, you heard about how I got into long drive, but the next thing that's kind of trippy is how everything else happened. You know, that's how I got into introduced to the sport. How I got into long drive was different. How I ended up homeless was because I was going to Life University. You know, I graduated from FAM. Um, My senior year, I'm telling myself I'm going to medical school because I'm going to go either be a plastic surgeon or a medical examiner. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. (laughs) What ended up happening was one day I was talking to this girl and we had a guest. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) But we had a guest speaker. And you know what happens when you have a class and you have a guest speaker? You don't go to class. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it so happened to be a Friday. And for those people who are family people, it was set Friday. And I'm about to go out to the set and have a great time. And the girl who I was talking to was like, well, I already went to class and I left my book in class. I know you ain't going to leave me in there by myself. And I looked up, I was like, she. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, man, this is prime time for me to be a slime ball. I'm like, shoot. Like, you in class, there's some other potential sand out here at the beach, and I'm not bringing no sand. Man, please, I'm about to go out here and be loose as a goose. And I ended up going to class with her. And when I went to class with her, there was this guy from Life University who was giving a presentation. His name was Michael Harris. And He's just asking all these questions. And because I ran a personal training business throughout a little bit of my collegiate career, I was able to answer the questions. And the guy was like, man, at the end, he was like, brother, you know, we need more black chiropractors. How about this, man? I was like, man, that's cool. That's great. Y'all need more black chiropractors. I'm going to med school. Y'all have fun. Y'all find y'all black chiropractors. (laughs) He was like, brother, we will waive your admission fee. We'll waive the all this stuff, just please fill out the application. I'll sign you up for scholarships if you get admitted. I was like, man, I wanted to tell him no, but then I kept hearing my grandmother's voice. Don't ever close the door. You don't know what God's opening mm-hmm. for you. I said, mm-hmm. all right. Now, this is before I even went to the long drive competition. This is in the fall. Mm-hmm. So we go up there on the visit for the for the class, I mean, for the school. And I was like, all right, cool. I ended up getting awarded these scholarships. They gave me a work-study job on campus, um, you know, so on and so forth. And so – I go up there. I meet this guy, uh, J.R. Ross, who's a golf instructor, and we're doing that whole thing. And he's helping me out. You know, he's they hooked me up with some range balls. They're not giving them to me for free, but whatever, whatever. Right. Um, and then that summer, I start competing in long drive. Now I've been introduced to long drive, and I remember I went somewhere. I I had to. Oh, I was going to a tournament in Montana. And I came back and I got close. I think I made it to regionals or something like that. And they were asking, you know, what did you do this weekend? People, they were doing the sharing thing. Mm-hmm. And it was, I had this weird teacher. Um, and I was telling them what I did. 
And she was like, oh, really? You really did that this weekend? I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. And she went and talked to the athletic director. Life was an NAIA school, so they were real liberal on their athletic mm-hmm. programs. Right. Uh, oh. And what ended up happening was Life sponsored me my first year of, okay. of Long Drive. And, okay. you know, now mind you this, I'm the only black dude, right? Right. I had a personal chiropractor go with me to every tournament I went to my first year mm. on wow. the tour. Uh-huh. And the thing about it was he couldn't adjust nobody but me because under his licensing, he would have been, he would have been messing uh-huh. up. He wasn't licensed to practice in all these other states. Only right, because I right. lived yeah. in his state Home and state. I was, he was traveling with me. Right. right. Yeah. So, you know, they already hated that. It was, who was this? Right. And so with that, man, I remember um, I ended up signing up for the life uh, intramural golf team and they had this thing where for a hundred dollars a year you got to hit unlimited range balls no limit wow. no cap and wow. I stopped going to class straight up <laughs> and I remember I started I was I literally hit balls on the range till my hands bled like mm-hmm. if you look at my fingers stuff like this and I mean I remember going mm-hmm. all the way down to the bone on my fingers and I had wow, little guys nice. on there mm-hmm. um, I used to hit almost a thousand golf balls a day and I started wearing football gloves because I was running through the golf gloves so fast and I remember talking I was doing well in my classes and stuff and then this one dude Professor Coke he ratted on me and was like man this joker ain't coming to class told the president president he brought me to his office. He said, hey, man, I see your grades all right, but I got to kick you out of school, man. You're going to mess up our accreditation because you ain't going to class. I was like, man, my grades is good. What's wrong? He was like, it's still a mentor for you to go to class. He was like, so I got to kick you out of school. How do we like, get to just kicking out so fast? Like, yeah, right. Just well, to, you had a grace period or something, yeah. yeah. Uh, I had not been going to class at all. Okay. And apparently they had been sending they had been sending letters and I just didn't read them. Just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what that pile of mail is. Yeah. Oh, that's what that pile of mail is. So I got, and oh, it was man. funny, man. My dude kicked me out of class and he was like, hey, come back to my office at three o'clock. And I'm looking at him and this is like nine in the morning. I said, man, I'm not coming back to you at three o'clock. I got to tell my mom, I just got kicked out of school. I'm, if I'm coming back, I'm burning this place to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back and he was like, I hear you're pretty good at this long drive thing. Cause I set the world record for swing speed at 161 a few months before they had put me in all these magazines. It was bringing a lot of publicity to the school. It was doing a lot of good stuff. And my dude said, all right, I'm going to kick you out of school, but I'm going to give you the best gift I can. And I was like, I don't understand. Guy Reekman, who is the Chancellor of Life University, and I was dead serious, bro, pulled out his black card, bought every tournament I had for the rest of the season. He paid Whoa. entry, he paid flights, he paid hotel, he paid rental car. I Good. went to Sweden twice, I went to Spain, I went everywhere in the United States. He literally racked up thirty grand on his card, and I sat there and watched his assistant do it. Wow. Whoa. Straight wow. up. And he was like, he was like, you can come back anytime you want to. Mm -hmm. And you only get one chance to do this in life. So go do it. He's like, I'm going to give you a gift. So I went, I did that. um, And I didn't understand because when I got kicked out of school, I was like, oh, cool. I'm great. I'm gravy. Didn't understand. I was staying in the dorm. So when you get kicked out of school, right. Right. yeah, <laughs> you can't stay in the dorm. <laughs> yeah. That didn't sink. That didn't wash door. over you immediately. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it didn't, it didn't dawn on me. And so, man, like, oh wait, that. oh you need the keys. Oh, you need the keys. To- okay, got it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I got to pack okay. up all my stuff. So didn't I put my stuff that. in the storage. Uh, I remember you said the crazy thing is, man. I was at the time I was driving a six forty five BMW, mm-hmm. and I remember okay. putting my stuff in storage and not sleep in the parking garage on campus because that's the only place I felt safe. Right. Mm. And I'd be mm. sleeping in my car. Um, my wow. stuff was all over the place. I'd uh-huh. sleep on people's couches. Um, it was it was all of that. So the story was a mm. little different, you know. Um, and I remember my roommate who was in the dorm room with me. I remember mm. telling him one day, I was like, man, you know, I'm bigger than this room. And Dre, my dog, number two, was like, man, you know, we can get an apartment. I know this room kind of small. I said, nah, baby, you ain't understand what I'm saying, brother. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm bigger than this room. And so that was one of the things that helped me through all the dark times, you know, okay. being homeless, sleeping in pee, 
um, you know, not being able to eat, going to these golf tournaments and grabbing these Chick-fil-A lunches and Chick-fil-A mm -hmm. biscuits and loading my trunk up with them because I didn't know the next time I was going to be able to eat. Um, that was it was it was a lot to do with that. And as far as giving um, back, you know, there were people who made my role hell, but there were people who helped. And the people who helped, it seemed like those lifelines came at the absolute right time. Mm -hmm. um, and I've said it a million times, but man, if I had people who fought as hard for me as I fight for other people, we'd have a completely different story. And mm -hmm. I still believe in the good nature of people. I believe that, you know, people as a whole aren't bad. I think people turn to being bad because bad things have happened to them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in life, if you can give a person a little bit of hope, you can potentially change not only the world, but you can change your community and you change your environment. Um, people don't understand that they make enemies a lot of times that they don't have to. They piss off people that they don't have to. And the last thing you want in your area or in your community is a pissed off person. You know, a lot of times people just want to be acknowledged. You know, just because you see a homeless person on the street or somebody panhandling, don't roll up your window or act like you're on the phone or turn your head the other way. Look them in the eye and tell them, hey, brother. I don't got it or hey man I ain't led it. I haven't been led to give it to you whatever the case may be hey I'm sorry for your situation hey man I got a bottle of water I got some chips I got some mm -hmm. snacks whatever it is you know you want that but I just it's not in me to give you my money right. and people will respect that you know mm -hmm. and that, and you know or even if you give them that five dollars or that ten dollars you should ask yourself you know all right well they're asking me for this five or ten dollars they're going to get it one way or another. If I give it to them, I might save some person from getting knocked over the head or somebody's car from getting broken into or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. Yeah. Um, life chances, man. Life life changes a lot of people, and you don't understand a person's story. You don't understand how they got there. So, you know, me as a human being, man, I'm all about uplifting my people and trying to do what I can, but I also believe in holding my people accountable at the same time. You say Life University? Is that, yes, sir. Is that the name? Okay. Because we have our sponsor, our official chiropractor sponsor of this podcast, uh, uh, Dr. Cache Smith, I believe is that same, well, she went to South Carolina State, but she told us a story a couple of weeks ago about a very similar meeting <laughs> with somebody mm -hmm. who was looking for, uh, I, I don't know the guy's name, maybe the same person, but the almost the exact same story where they needed, they were trying to get more black chiropractors because yeah. she had, she it's kind of Probably similar story. Probably him. Yeah, it may have been. I don't, I don't remember his name, but it's basically the same story. She she met up she at, at some at some event at college. They were trying to get more black chiropractors, mm -hmm. and they were offering free money and stuff. And she and today she's a chiropractor, um, so nice. she did she went down that path. Um, my a couple questions. One, so the world the, the Guinness Book of Records, uh, I think it's two two hundred twelve two hundred eleven two hundred twelve now. Is that your is your record still staying? <sighs> That's a good question. Depends on who you ask it. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I'll give you the full story. Okay. Um, when I broke the record, the problem was the tape wasn't rolling the first time I broke it. Uh, the first time I broke it, I broke it at 217 miles an hour. Tape okay. wasn't rolling. Um, so Guinness was not going to accept that. Um, I broke it at 211 miles an hour. I did not hit another ball after that because I snapped a ligament in my wrist when I actually oh. did that. Oh, dang. Um, they came back later. Now, mind you, I did that with a fairway wood. I did that with a three wood. That wasn't wow. with a driver. Okay. Um, Art Selinger and his group of long drive guys came back, I think, in 2013. 2013 mm -hmm. and they did this sh thing at the pga show about breaking the guinness world record a guy named ryan winther they did it with a driver winther hit 217 at the pga show seeing the correlation mm -hmm. with the number now right. um and i remember i was at kiowa island and we were talking about they had it on tnt at the time about me breaking the guinness world record Ryan Winther's agent sent a cease and desist. You are not the world record holder. Oh. You can't put that out there. Blah, 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 blah. Lying, fraud, slander on my client. Da, 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 da. I get home from Kiowa on that Monday, and guess what's sitting in my mail? Yeah. The Guinness World Record Certificate. <laughs> <laughs> After all that. After all that. Um, you know, I've accomplished a lot of things. 
Um, I with a driver, I hit two twenty seven, and the swing speed was one sixty two. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I actually had this conversation with that my golf course earlier today. I think all in all, I've had what would be considered as four Guinness World Records. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. The three wood still would stand as a three wood, but they counted as fastest ball speed or mm-hmm. fastest golf drive. So technically, Ryan Winther has it at two seventeen. Right. Um, my 227 didn't count. Kyle Berkshire's 230 doesn't count. And neither does Martin Brogmeyer's 231 doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, being black in golf changes a lot of things. Um, yeah. You don't get the fanfare, the hoopla that mm-hmm. you're supposed to. Um, when John Daly tried to hit the ball across Niagara Falls, Guinness was there and they were going to make this big deal of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I actually did it. Did it, then, right. Yeah. Yeah. And when I did it, no one even talked about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Ironically enough, a guy who I know, is a golf instructor. He just found out today that I hit the ball across uh, Niagara mm. Falls, and he's in the golfing world. You asked earlier, why do I give back? Uh, mm. It's stuff like that, man. It's the fact that I've done so much mm. and it's still constantly watered down. It's still denied, and most importantly, it's even watered down in our own community. As black people, if we don't celebrate our own champions, how can we expect other people to do the same? Exactly. Man, absolutely. Talk a little bit about your Grow the Game initiative to that end. Yeah. To, to that end it's Ooh, back. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, why I've been, that's why I've been busy, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you something I ain't told nobody else then. Oh, look at this. Oh, Golf thing be with some breaking news. This is what I'm talking about, baby. Y'all get the whole McGillow on this one, brother. Uh-huh. So uh, the Grow the Game initiative. Uh, most of you all know that Golf Digest wrote a story about me. Uh, this was in June. Yeah, about being, yeah being yeah. black in the golf. All right. So after that story, um, a lot of white people reached out. And I heard everything. We want to help. How do we help? Blah, 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 blah. You know, that's all right. Well, let me figure out a way to get white folks to help. You know, obviously not just giving money. Um, and well, giving money. No, 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 that's a lie. I'm lying. Giving money. But it means something. And I got a call from the people at the Diamond Resorts. And uh, Payne Stewart's son, Aaron, is a guy over the Diamond Resorts. He was like, hey, we'd love to have you come back and play again. We know you played last year. Uh, we want to give you another look at it. When you played last year, you know, it was, you knew two days before we want to extend the invitation for you to come this year for the 2021. Um, we want to let you know ahead of time. I said, all right. I said, well, I'm playing in this stable for this on, you know, the golf channel is on NBC. What can I do? How can I use my platform for something good? And I came up with the Grow the Game initiative, which is uh, a pledge system that we've put out and challenging everybody in the golf industry. Uh, Golf Digest, Golf Mag, Golf Week, USGA, PGA of America, PGA Tour, LPGA, uh, APGA, JAGA, and every other GAs that you can think of Mm -hmm. that are doing things within the golfing industry who say that they want to bring in and make the game more inclusive, supposedly, Mm -hmm. um, and challenge them to pledge, challenge them to donate. Um, and the denominations for the corporate donations are anywhere from $50 per point all the way up to $500 per point. And with that, what you're looking at is a Stableford where, you know, last year, I think I got 110 points. The winner gets 150 points, but all of that money is going to supporting African-American men and women playing golf. I don't use the word minority because everybody who's not a 30-plus-year-old white male is technically a minority Mm -hmm. in the game of golf. Women, white women are white kids. Everybody's a minority in golf except for a 30-plus-year-old white man. Um, So then I decided to do an individual pledge system where individuals Mm -hmm. can pledge because white folks say they want to help. Mm -hmm. So individuals can pledge anywhere from a dollar to fifty dollars, mm-hmm. um, and one hundred percent of that money is going in. Now, the funny thing about it is, we put out this application to all of the athletes, and they have until December first to fill out the application. Uh, the application they have to put a personal statement. They have to put a detailed schedule. They have to put together a marketing plan. They have to talk about strategies and all these other things. Um, so, most importantly, will not only will it help us decide who are the people who deserve the the sponsorship. But also it will give them the tools that they need to go out and procure their own sponsorships for those who are not selected in that process. Um, our goal is to raise $500,000 mm-hmm. out of that $500,000 in the first year, we're going to take $300,000. Um, and we are going to give three men, 
and three women who a committee selects. I am not on the committee, nor can I be an applicant um, in this endeavor. They're going to get $50,000 to play golf, $5,000 a month every month starting February 1st. And they have things that they have to do. They have to um, compete in 80% of their tournaments. Uh, 10% of the money that they get goes back to the, the scholarship and the oh, whole wow. Nice. So, and it doesn't matter if it's $10 every time. The whole thing is getting them to understand that they have to constantly give back. Exactly. Um, that it's not just something you just give and you take from a pot and you're not, you're not required to give back. Um, and then I guess, see, everybody knows all of that. So I guess I'll tell you the stuff that people don't know. Mm, right. So uh, I haven't put it, I ain't even put it on my Instagram yet, but I'm going to put it with y'all. Nice. So <laughs> I, I'll send it to you so you can see it. But I got a shaft company to agree to do five sets, three through pitching wedge of Black Lives Matter golf shafts. Whoa. There's, that is only, Whoa. there's only five sets. Uh, it has my logo going this way, and then mm-hmm. down the shaft, it says Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. It has a fist on each side of that. On the back side of the Black Lives Matter, it has six names mm-hmm. on each shaft, and that's mm-hmm. every victim who has been the subject to the police brutality mm-hmm. through the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, Breonna Taylor, Tam- it has everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Um, Tamir Rice, Sandra Bland, I can go down mm-hmm. the list. Uh, yeah. Six names per shaft. Those, so what we're going to do, there are five shafts being made. Mm -hmm. I'll have two of the five shafts. Um, I am playing with one of those. I'm playing with those shafts during the Diamond Resorts in January. Nice. Um, Nice. We're going to take those shafts. I had a guy from Atlanta call me. Uh, People are petitioning to take those clubs that I play with and put in the Black Archives Museum in Washington, Washington D.C. Smithsonian. So we'll see if that part happens. Um, mm-hmm. The next thing that we're doing is we are taking those three sets that remain. So I'll mm-hmm. keep one set. I'll donate one set. Right. There are three sets that are going to start with the day that the event opens up. That Thursday, the auction starts. And you get to pick whoever wins the three top bids, get to mm-hmm. pick their flex and their weight, three mm-hmm. through pitching wedge okay. on the shafts. There will only be five sets. One of them will probably be entombed forever in the Smithsonian. Right. Right. Uh, one of them will be in my bag, by the way. I appreciate that we can all go see it because we're all in D.C. Yeah, we live here, yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, we can go check it out. When it, when it makes I'll, it, we I'll can go check it out. next week as well. Really? Okay. okay. Next week. Um, but um, – and the goal is, and I've heard that these shafts are going to go anywhere from 75000 to to 100000 for the set each. Mm, wow. Uh, because it's you're getting a one of five. And right, right. I, let me explain something to y'all. I can mm-hmm. assure you, they ain't gonna make no more of these shafts. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I believe it. whatever shaft company this is, I mean, I hope you share that too, because like, if folks need to support this company for stepping mm-hmm. out and doing this, because I want to get your opinion on this too, because like, you know, it seems like there's been golfers, especially some of the black ones, who are starting to shy away from standing up and saying, no, no, golf needs to do the same thing. Like, golf needs to step up and support its black athletes and, and black people in this movement. And you've been a voice to this, you know, and yeah. so this. We need to support this shaft company for doing this. Yeah, I'll be quiet. I'm gonna see me and V on the same same pole there. Uh, what black golfers? <laughs> you talking about uh, Cameron and, and Joseph Bramlett? Yeah, that, yeah, those yeah. Are yeah. Good point. Good point. About, good point. I know you ain't talking about the mother two. No, uh-uh. not the uh, Coblinasian and the yeah Cob 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 Black Cob Black. Late, late. Well, I don't know what yeah, that was. Yeah, whatever. So we, we, what we used to call on this show, we used to call uh, Harold Bar. We used to call him the other o- black o- guy. Yeah, but, OBG. We, we, but we, we had to strip him from that. We used to call him OBG, yeah, right. but we had to yeah, strip yeah. that from him because of his recent, you know, non comments. Yeah. I, I, I just yeah. want to say, mean, I, his I, recent non comments. Well, I, I stand, I stand by you. <laughs> I stand by your tweet, Maurice. That's all I'm gonna yeah. say. Yeah. I, I, I rock with you 100. percent he yeah, made a hundred yeah. percent comment. Quote, You're right. There's he no did. racism yeah. in golf. Yeah. Right. That, Which is that was his comment. Yep. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Like V, you you heard no birdies, no BS, yes. man. I mean, yep. I don't have no issue with Cheyenne. I don't have no issue with her. I think she's doing amazing things. But everybody got to be real. 
I mean, mm-hmm. Uncle ain't ain't did nothing. He no. ain't never do nothing. Mm-hmm. He ain't gonna do nothing. Nope. And that's all, but here's the thing. Here's what we have to understand. Okay, first things first. Everybody's not gonna be an activist. And if yep. that's not the mm-hmm. path that God placed them on, I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. My thing is, at the end of the day, white people in the golf industry have continuously gone to these two people who they know is going to say absolutely nothing because it makes them feel better. It allows Mm -hmm. them to sleep at night. It makes them feel comfortable in their skin and in their wrong with what is going on in this sport. So if that is what we can't be out here talking about our truth. And in today's society, there's this thing called your truth. That is a lie. There is Mm -hmm. no such thing as your truth. There is the The truth. Right. Mm -hmm. There is your perception. There is your opinion. And that's okay. You can have your perception. You can have your opinion. You can have your view. But that does not make it the truth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can sit here and say that V got on a black shirt all I want to, but we know good and hell well is great. He got black writing on it. That That shirt ain't black. It's got black on it. But they're right. in a black shirt. It's a gray shirt. Yeah. The majority yeah. of the color is gray. Mm-hmm. And and that's where we're having these problems. And the fact that you look at Harold's wedding, mm-hmm. and in his wedding, there wasn't the first black person in that wedding. Now, here's the thing. Marry who you want to. Mm-hmm. Be in love with whoever you want to. I'm not one of them people who be like, man, it's already dating. It's terrible. No. And let me tell you something. If you find love, that is the most beautiful thing. I will never stop a person from loving whoever they love, man, woman, whatever it may be. It's all good. That is a mm-hmm. beautiful thing. The problem I have is when your love allows you to disassociate and neglect mm-hmm. what is the truth. Yes. Mm-hmm. It don't matter what it is. It's not about race. It's about life. If if you are in love with a person who is beating your face in on the daily, and if that love allows you to think that that is okay, then that mm-hmm. love is not healthy. Right, that right. is mm-hmm. not love. If that love allows you to turn a, a blind eye and a blind a deaf ear to reality, then that is not love. Mm-hmm. If that person doesn't stand up with you in whatever is going on, because I can I can assure you, he has seen racism on the golf course. Oh, well, absolutely. He has yeah, homeboys who have seen racism on the mm-hmm. golf course. Yeah. He's from North Carolina. Of course he doesn't see it. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. I mean, you know, people don't like it. Harold ain't got to like it. But like my mom and my daddy always say, if you don't like something, don't get no attitude. Change it. Don't mm-hmm. give peace for a personal reason to say something. My mom used to tell me all the time. She'd be like, you think I got better things to do all day than sit here and correct you and talk, talk to you about the same old thing? She said, I do. Trust me. I, I don't even want to tell you half the stuff I got to tell you, but I can't sit here and let you be wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. we become a society where we think the homeboy code is letting you walk off wrong. Right. The homeboy right. code is I gotta check you. I yeah. gotta love my brother enough to check my brother. Be like, hey, dog, you, hey, 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 hey brother. Yeah. yeah, and that's okay. Don't get no attitude. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't get no attitude. I mean, you know how it is when you with your people. You know, you with your moms or your pops, and you do something you ain't supposed to do. You leave the refrigerator door open. Mm-hmm. You know, when you walk away from that refrigerator door, mm-hmm. you know they're gonna say something. So what uh-huh. you do? You just close the door. Yep. You don't even give an opportunity to say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you like, man, she going to trip about this refrigerator. You know? uh-huh. God, no, so what you say? Man, I don't even want to hear this. All right. I don't want to hear this. Let me just do this right now. Anybody got time to this? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the issue you run into. But honestly, I'm not certain about being – I know they didn't want a lot of people to know – what was going on. I know that their logo is not on the shaft at all. Right. Um, and I understand for a lot of people, they scared mm-hmm. um, because at the end of the day, whether people, whether we like it or not, we're, we are the minority in this game. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. no one has attempted to ever market to the black dollar in this mm-hmm. game ever at all, um, which is, which is super sad, super mm-hmm. sad thing. But um, hopefully that changes, you know, but I appreciate them giving, this part um because i think it's going to allow us to raise money for a cause that is so wonderful and so great i think that the only reason why we're going to hit our goal as far as money raised is because of these shafts i would love to think that people are going to give half a million dollars because they just care or Mm -hmm. the usga is going to give money and and the pga of america is going to give money because they gave these they put out these psas during championships and all Mm -hmm. this other stuff Mm -hmm. but i know the truth is they're not going to but i know that i can 
have Waka Flocka or Chris Paul or somebody to that effect mm-hmm. or, or, you know, um, Anthony Anderson or Cedric the Entertainer, Steve Harvey, look at these shafts and say, you know something, I'll put a hundred grand behind these shafts mm. because I know where this money's going. I trust Maurice. Maurice has given $70,000 to college, college scholarships for kids. I know that he's not going to put his hand in the cookie jar. He's not even eligible mm-hmm. to win the, the, the sponsorship. So, mm-hmm. you know, looking at that integrity part of it, I think there are enough black people where I think we'll be able to, we'll be mm-hmm. able to hit that goal. One thing I, I made the joke to the homies that uh, I, I take solace in the fact that like balancing out, you know, the whole Tiger Woods and Harold Varner thing. When I go to the course these days and I see a lot of like young fellows, like my, my, uh, my brother-in-law, he's a Q. I see Quavos. I see my dreadheads. I see all these young black brothers getting into golf and I'm at the golf course. I just want to walk up to a white person and be like, thank Tiger. When they sit out there, like, <laughs> when, when they sit out there because if you, because if you think about it, like, Everything we said yeah. is 100% true, but I can, t- mm-hmm. I can take solace in the fact that it was like, well, you know what? You brought a generation in that's like my dad's generation, and then they get me into it. I get mm-hmm. the homies into it. And we, we might not be connected to him anymore, but then we here now. We here now. Right. And right. guess what? When, you, yeah. when you're uncomfortable, you're looking at the range like, oh, what are these guys wearing? Thank Tiger. Tiger, <laughs> you like Tiger Woods, right? That's why we're uh-huh. here. Yeah. 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 But I mean, you know, the thing about it, man, is there's so much that you can learn in this game. I think yeah. that it's something that will definitely help liberate and free us as a people. Um mm-hmm. And it's, it's something completely different than what you will see in any other game that's out there. Um, I think once we start getting into these networks, mm-hmm. um, one of the big things that I hate that I see over and over again is they always tell these, it's like, oh, we're going to these underserved communities. These communities ain't underserved. Stop talking. Stop. Stop. Stop telling these kids they they less than. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm looking yeah. at these kids' feet. They got on Jordans and Kobe's and Bronze. <laughs> Let me tell you something. They ain't, they ain't less than. They, now, their priorities are super jacked up. I ain't, <laughs> I'm gonna buy but let me tell you something. Boy, when I tell you them refund checks hit and these <laughs> Christmas gifts getting loose, yeah. Sure, ain't nobody less than when we out here you know oh. doing what we do but mm-hmm. honest and truthful man the way i really look at it is i try to explain these kids over and over again you know when you go to these places don't ever let anyone tell you that you're being they're giving you exposure and they're exposing you to this and they're exposing you to that let that person know that you're exposing them as well because exposure is a two-way street. Mm-hmm. They're exposing you to something that's different, but you're also exposing these other people to something that's different than them mm-hmm. because they haven't walked in their shoe in your shoes. They're not in your neighborhood. They may not have been in a situation where the lights are off and things like that. You know, the thing about me is, man, I grew up in a household where, you know, my mother worked for Catherine Global, like mm-hmm. straight up and down. So. <laughs> You know, I wasn't in a situation where my parents weren't educated. My dad right. ran in the convention center. My stepdad was a principal two times over, you know, um, and all my struggles came as an adult. I was homeless as an adult. I never worried about a meal as a kid. Um, but because of the things that they taught me, I knew I couldn't come back home because I wasn't doing what they told me to do. Right. And understanding that integrity and understanding that, hey, you know, you make a bed, you lay in it. Don't come in here asking me. I mean, they would have helped me. Don't get me wrong, but the, mm-hmm. I, you know, if I had done it the way they wanted me to do it, I wouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and understanding that. So, I mean, is 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 stupid, crazy, man? And I know when a lot of people do these these podcasts, I've had every last one on. They be like, "Man, we was expecting a Ric Flair guy, but you something completely different." <laughs> you know, <laughs> the truth of the matter is this, man. You know, the the single handed person who killed the king the majority of the time was the jester. Why? Mm-hmm. Because why you sitting there and you laughing? You comfortable? Mm-hmm. Your yeah. guard mm-hmm. is down. Mm-hmm. You always expect an assassin to come from somewhere else other than the person who's gonna make you laugh. So the Ric Flair was to get your attention. It was to make you laugh. It was to get you get myself in a situation where now you're comfortable, you know. But my real message is all about trying to uplift us and move us forward, and mm-hmm. to get people to understand that racism has a different tone today. Racism isn't black and white. Mm-hmm. Racial, racism is Harold Varner versus me. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Harold, yeah. he's mm-hmm. acceptable. He's exactly yeah. what they expect. Me? Yeah. Right. right. Nah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, wait. You know, if you, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you heard that that um podcast I did with uh David Marr, you know, he compared me to Malcolm X and Tiger and Harold to Martin. And he was mm. like, you know, by any means necessary. But I was like, mm-hmm. that was an excerpt from a speech that wasn't, you quoted that, you quoted right. that so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Malcolm actually wasn't as militant as people think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He just believed in black beauty and black power. But he, he, 
it wasn't what you think. But, yeah. you know, racism now is more about comfort. You know, it's that one black friend versus mm-hmm. understanding that all mm-hmm. black people have value looking right, at us. Right. If you look at the PGA Tour, uh, last thing I'll tell you, the best, mm-hmm. the best example of it was um, we went to the PGA merchandising show. And if you look at Roger Steele, he's got somewhere on his social. I gave these folks this long talk about how they don't acknowledge us and how Black History Month has never been acknowledged in a grand scale um, compared to how they acknowledge mm. Women's International Day and Women's yeah. Golf mm-hmm. Day and everything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, at the end of the PGA show, that, that Sunday, Kobe Bryant tragically gets killed in a helicopter accident. Mm. And I remember going to the Magic game that night. And, you know, that was... It was weird. It was eerie. Um, waste management was that very next week. You know, they got the pin at 8 and 24. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got on their Kobe jerseys and right. practice around. They mm-hmm. got it on their shoes. You know, Taylor made post a picture of Kobe, goat, blah, 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 blah. Skip, 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 skip. Two days later, it was the beginning of Black History Month. Nobody mm-hmm. says nothing. Mm-hmm. Charlie Sifford doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Ted Rose doesn't exist. Calvin Pete doesn't exist. Two weeks after that, Tiger has the Genesis event. Joseph Bramlett gets the Charlie Sifford Award. I'm watching it on TV for one reason and one reason only, because I don't even watch sports. So I want to see when they're going to put a three- to five-minute piece on Charlie Sifford and who he was and why is this important. Um, And they never did it. Mm. Now, Tiger is the tournament host. Tiger claims that he named his son after Charlie Sifford. There is no way on God's green earth you can call that boy's name, look him in the face, and not even acknowledge that that man was alive and make sure that his story is told over and over Mm -hmm. again any opportunity that you get on the national stage. What people don't know is in 2014, I got ready to quit the game of golf. I played in a foursome that most people if you were sports fans would probably be the biggest foursome that most people ever want to play in in their life i played with artist gilmore i played with george gervin Mm -hmm. and i played with my uncle julius urban and i remember playing with jay i was like hey aunt what's going on i thought you said we had a five because he told me originally we had a foursome. I didn't even want to mm-hmm. go play. He called my mom and was like, ah, just tell him to come up to Jacksonville. I was in Orlando. They went to Sawgrass. And I was like, Ma, I ain't going. She's like, he's going to keep calling. Just go see your <laughs> I was like, you know, and honestly, straight up, I kid you not, I was done with golf. I told him, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to see golf. I don't want to play golf. I'm going to go back to chiropractic school. I'm going to get this degree, and I'm going to keep it moving. Or I'm going to go work for the CDC, because at that time I had a job off of the CDC in 2014. And I went over there, and I played. We played the first hole, and I'm looking at him. I'm saying, man, who who's our fifth? He said, young blood, chill out. Don't worry about it. Just hit the ball. Hit the ball. Hit the ball off the tee. And I was like, man, you know, our fifth is kind of late. He's like, don't worry about it. You know, I'm over there joking with Iceman, and uh, we just laughing. Hit the ball, blah, blah, blah. Get up to the second hole. Second hole at Sawgrass, you got to come around the curve. Cart path, go around in a pretty much a U-turn shape. I'm standing on the tee box. I hear this cart coming from behind me from the first hole. I'm standing over the ball and the cart keeps coming. And what you do when you stand over I'm like, hey, man, hey, man, y'all don't see me on the right. team. Yeah. Yeah. So I got an attitude, you know, and I went back and the cart stopped. I was like, thank you, you know. And, <laughs> and I go back and I step over the ball and the cart started again. I said, man, who is this cart girl? And I started thinking about it. Sawgrass ain't got no cart girl. What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Like, this place ain't got no cart girl. You ain't got no municipal course. What you doing, bro? And Carts goes around again, and I back off the ball, and I hear this voice. Now I'll never forget it as long as I live. I heard y'all was looking for a fifth. I said, man, who the? <laughs> Turn around. Calvin Pete. Mm. <laughs> wow. Wow. And I looked, and I looked back at my uncle, and Jay just looking at me. He just started laughing. <laughs> and I'm standing over the ball. And he said, June Bug, you all right? I said, nah. <laughs> I'll be honest with y'all, I ain't all right right now. Mm-hmm. Stand on the ball, my hand's shaking real bad. He said, you going to hit the ball? I said, I can't. <laughs> and then Calvin said, it's all right, young fella. Just do what you do. <laughs> and I'll never forget, bro. I hit the ball, piped it down the middle. He said, mm, not bad. Hit a little three wood. I was about 182 yards out. Hit a pitching wedge through the green. 
And he said, well, what club was that? I said, the pitching was. He said, the long, hmm. And he didn't see much. You know? He wasn't and, impressed, huh? Well, he, I, he was, but I couldn't tell at the time. Yeah. So we get around the hole number eight. Hole number eight to par three. Bison and I, we were on seven, and I was behind the trees. And Julius and I had this ad campaign that we had given the octagon, and it was talking about cleared it, which ironically I ended up hitting the ball across Niagara Falls mm-hmm. later. But we were talking about taking the ball and hitting it across all kinds of stuff, canyons, over highways, mm-hmm. and the whole thing was cleared it. And we said, we, we talked to them about this ad campaign, and we were trying to figure out a golf company to pick it up. No one ever picked it up. And I was standing behind these trees. There's this pond over there right in front of the green. And Calvin was like, hmm. Looks like you got yourself in the pickle, huh, young fella? <laughs> and about 150 yards out, and there's these tall pine trees. And and he was – and um, he's sitting there like, well, I guess you're just going to have to punch out. I said, no, sir. He said, well, I can tell you, ain't no way you're going to get over them trees and get to the green. <laughs> okay. And I hit the ball from about 150, hit a gap wedge, straight over the trees, over the pond, put it about 20-something feet from the pen. Jay walks by, looks at Calvin Winks, and was like, cleared it. And it was like, what? <laughs> and it was like, it would have been like the perfect commercial, bro. It would have been like the best commercial if we had filmed that. Right. And, uh, we, we get the hole number eight, and it's 210 yards. I hit a nine iron to three feet. Caddy's with us. Caddy walks by. Calvin was like, hmm, huh, six iron. That's long for a six iron, but. That's a good shot, good control, nice swing, good motion. Mm-hmm. And Cat looked at me and said, Mr. Pete, I hate to tell you, but that ain't no six iron. Cat said, Well, I know good and hell well it ain't no damn nine iron. Cat looked at me and said, Yes, sir. <laughs> nine iron. Calvin got in the cart, all the ass and left. You <laughs> <laughs> no. made him leave. He didn't, he didn't say nothing. And Jay looked at me and said, Man, what'd you do? I said, I ain't do nothing. You know, you know how like a kid when you get in trouble, like, man, you know, but I immediately looked guilty. Calvin come back, hole 13, and he said, man, I had to tell everybody in the clubhouse what I just saw. He said, I've been on a tour. I was on a tour for X number of years, a bunch of wins. He said, I'll be honest with you, young fella, I ain't never seen nothing like that. And I'm sitting there, and I went and sat in the car with him just to talk to him. I was like, thank you, Mr. P. I appreciate it. And he was like, young man, whatever you do, you promised me you ain't never going to quit this game. Dang. And I didn't understand it at the time. And I wasn't being rude or disrespectful. I was just going to hit my shot. I said, all right, Mr. Pete, I get it. And he grabbed me by the arm. And when he grabbed me by the arm, he looked me in the eyes. He said, no, look me dead in my eyes. Promise me, no matter what happens, you'll never, ever quit this game. And I looked at him. I said, all right, Mr. Pete. He said, tell me. Exactly, he said, Repeat to me. I said, Mr. Pete, I promise you, I'll never ever quit this game. And he stayed with us for two about two more holes, and then he left. He was like, Nice meeting you. Mm-hmm. I expect big things out of you. Bonked out mm-hmm. five months later, Calvin Pete dead. Mm-hmm. I never knew he was sick. Wow. So, you know, when you ask me about things that keep me going, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's, it's stuff like that, man. It's, it's something that's bigger and deeper than you. And, you know, where I am now, I can't quit because. I promised the man. <laughs> yeah, he dead gone. What I was gonna do, you know. So it's it's different, man. Um, it's it's something it's something that propels me. That's so much bigger than myself. You know, my brother and I always tell each other to be immortal. And the only way you can be immortal is obviously you're not gonna live forever. But two things, you know, people still know your name long after you turn mm-hmm. into shadows and dust. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, that you've given people a story that they tell their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. And that's how immortality continues on. All right. That's Maurice Allen on Golf DMV. Man, the brother is legit. So glad he was able to spend some time with us. And he's doing some great things to grow the game. Uh, we're all about that here on Golf DMV. Thank you so much for your time, for hanging out with this special feature on Maurice Allen. Uh, again, brought to you in part by Cache Spine Sports. Get your neck right. Get your back right. Check out Dr. Smith uh, at Cache Spine Sports. Conveniently located in Silver Spring, Maryland. Until next time, folks, take it easy.
Hey folks, this is LB from Golf DMV. As many of you know, I've had neck and lower back issues for a while, but I found a chiropractor who's been able to keep me in the game. Her name is Dr. Smith at Cache Sport and Spine. She's conveniently located in Silver Spring, Maryland, just outside the Beltway. Dr. Smith has made a huge difference in my flexibility and pain management. If you need a chiropractor, do yourself a favor and contact Dr. Smith and her staff at 301-641-5693 or online at CacheSportSpine.com the official chiropractor of Golf DMV. Hey, Nissan, how do you get to the top? Calculating. Proceed to 1959. Take a hard left in East Africa at the 71 Safari Rally. Veer right for 19 off-road championships in the Baja Desert. Proceed towards Moab. Take the trail to Hell's Revenge. Include steep incline. Continue for the next million miles. Um, where to first again? 60 years, millions of miles, and the capability to take you anywhere. This is the new Nissan. 